Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people, live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. And welcome, good afternoon, good afternoon, welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Michelle Jawando here on the Leslie Marshall Show, and I'm coming to you with a special end of the year show. This is my last show for the year, and I just want to thank all of our Leslie Marshall Show listeners and all of the questions that you both ask on Twitter and follow through. It has meant a lot to bring to you, uh, sometimes every week, um, questions and great conversation and I cannot end the year without saying a special thank you to the team on the show Mark Andrew Sally Roman um, Dara many who have helped to support the show and make it what it is so with that let's get right in if you want to join the conversation and I hope you do give us a call at 888 6 Leslie that's 888-653-7543 and joining me, you know, this election, the impact of this election has been felt in more ways than one. And one of them that doesn't get as much attention. And I, you know, I love the show and I love bringing this show to you because we take the opportunity to really talk about issues that other people often miss. And one of them is the impact of this election on communities that are typically targeted for hate crimes. So let me share some specific facts with you. Uh, the FBI recently released that 5,850 hate crimes were reported in the United States in 2015, a 7% increase from 2014. And what we've seen from the election that there's been almost a thousand hate crimes committed to various communities. And so joining me in studio and on the phone is an amazing group who are going to join me to dig into this a little bit. Anisha Singh, she's the campaign director at Legal Progress at the Center for American Progress. You can find her on Twitter at Anisha underscore S113. Also joining me in studio is none other than Faith Freed. She's the legislative associate at the National Council of Jewish Women. You can find her on Twitter at NCJW. On the phone, find, you will find Simranjit Singh. He is the assistant professor of religion at Trinity University and a senior religious religion fellow for the Sikh Coalition. You can find him on Twitter at Sikh, S-I-K-H-P-R-O-F. And last but definitely not least, Donna Austin. She's an anthropologist and a doctoral candidate at the Department of Anthropology at Rutgers University. You can find her on Twitter at Teeny, M-U-S-L-I-M-A-H. Welcome, everybody, to the show. Thank you so much for having us, Michelle. So, Anisha, I'm actually going to start with you and uh, Faith on this. 
you know, why why is this an issue that we just don't hear that much about, but it's obviously um, hitting some communities more than others? I think there's a few different reasons for this. One, um, it wasn't until last year for the 2015 data that we actually started tracking hate crimes committed against um, the Arab Sikh South Asian communities. So this is new information we're getting. To actually have that data is pretty priceless and will help us be able to push the policies and the narrative the way we need to. But I also think there's also underreporting. I think communities are scared because of uh, risk of deportation, intimidation, bullying, cyberbullying. Um, so people aren't reporting it as much. And I think finally, um, we're talking, we tend to talk about these communities in different silos. And I hope mm-hmm. we can really talk about that today. And that's why we have such a great group here. Uh, but we talk about it in the Muslim space. We talk mm-hmm. about it in the African American space. But we don't talk about it all together. We're what? Large. Yeah. What, how are how's we? How's everybody affected? How's everyone affected? And so, so Faith, you know, your organization, National Council of Jewish Women. How? What is your lens, and how do you approach this issue? Sure. Um, so, I'll expand on what Anisha started um, because I really like that comment that it's all a part of a climate of fear and this idea that people are free now to say and do whatever they please. And so we've been hearing from our members across the country that they are frightened. They're frightened for themselves or their kids or their parents. Um, and I and I want to add, not just frightened for themselves, but frightened for members of their community that are also being targeted. Their Muslim friends, their uh, their immigrant neighbors. Um, so that's what we're hearing from our members. If you're just tuning in, this is Michelle Jawando, the Leslie Marshall Show. You can follow the conversation on Twitter at Michelle with one L Jawando or at Leslie Marshall. So Donna, you've spent a lot of time actually looking at kind of the intersections of hate crimes with uh, communities of color. So for For instance, one-third of Muslims are African-American, but those are statistics you don't always hear, and you don't always think about the intersections of even the Black Lives Matter community with the Muslim community, when oftentimes they are one and the same. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, a lot of my... Donna? Yes, hello? Let me just turn to Simran in the interim. Simran... You have spent a lot of your research on really tracking and being a voice for the community and really talking about supports for the community. What are some of the things that you're finding? Um, I, I would say that you know one of, one of the biggest shifts that we're noticing over the last few weeks um, is that while minority communities have felt unsafe in this country for the last several years, um, that concern has come to a new level to the point where the places where we felt the safest, um, our places of worship, uh, schools, grocery stores, uh, these have now become sites around the country where people of our communities are being attacked. Uh, School bullying is at an all-time high rate in the last 15 years. Uh, These hate incidents are occurring not just to us, but also our family members. And so these concerns, um, they're, they're, they're very real for us. They're very personal. Um, and, and there's no telling when something can happen. So the vigilance, the level of vigilance, uh, has really become um, sort of to such a level that there's no moment in which people of our communities are able to let down their guard. It's on the forefront of our minds because it's an issue of, of safety and security for us and our families. You know, one of the challenging areas areas in this space is that I think you often are, um, you have a false sense of 
who these communities are as if they're other people and not people in our communities and not our neighbors and not our friends. How do you deal with those issues of kind of otherizing that often happens in this space when you're talking about hate crimes? Anisha and then Faith. I think it's all about having a conversation. Like, you know, I think we all need to be talking to one another. We need to learn from one another. And you always hear that, you know, once someone is communicating with people that they don't know, it's like, oh, you're just like me. You have the same likes and dislikes. You like uh, football. You like um, pizza. You know, it's, they're very <laughs> normal people growing up in this country, just like everybody else, um, just a different skin tone, a different faith. Um, and so it's just taking away that otherness and making people comfortable. And so, Faith, how do you, what are some of the things that you're doing? Sure. So one thing that I think is important is, especially at our organization, is to ground ourselves in our Jewish values. And one of those values that is so important to us, it's kavod habriot, and it's this idea that we're all made in the image of God. And I think that's an important part of, of breaking down the barriers of that other, is recognizing that, you know, the other person who might seem so different from you also has that same divine spark within them Mm -hmm. and that you need to treat them as you would want to be treated yourself, bringing in some golden rule into that. Um, so, So that's something we've really been encouraging our members and just ourselves to do is to recognize that spark in each other. And Donna, how do you use your research um, to kind of further this conversation and kind of illuminate, illuminate the challenge that we have happening right now? Um, so my research actually deals uh, very intimately with the challenges faced by uh, communities that are marginalized, particularly doubly Muslim communities, um, uh, marginalized by race and by religious identity. Um, and so, like, for me, it's, you know, in my writing, in my speaking, uh, my public speaking, um, interfaith events, activism, I mean, there's all sorts of ways that I bring that to bear Um, and share that information with the public through a variety of mediums um, to get the word out and um, to raise awareness about the specific ways that that these communities are targeted and vulnerable. And so we're going to get ready to go to break in a moment. But before we go, Simran, when you think about, you know, others who say that we shouldn't talk about these issues or they're overblown, what is your response to that? Because that's something you definitely hear from time to time. Yeah, that's right. We, we hear it not just time to time, we hear it often. And, and, often. My, response to that, <laughs> and, and, my, and my response to that is there is a gap in our understanding in this country right now. People who don't experience the types of discrimination that minorities experience uh, don't understand what it's like. And so sharing these experiences and telling our stories is actually a way that we can bridge these gaps. That's mm-hmm. uh, so why I feel you know, it's critically important that we not just tell our own stories, but we amplify the stories of one another uh, so that people understand what's actually going on in our country. So this is Michelle Jawando on the Sally Marshall Show. We're going to take a quick, back, quick break, and when we come back, we'll finish the conversation. Leslie Marshall. Real people. Real life. Real talk. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Leslie in your pocket. Go to lesliemarshallshow.com forward slash members. And welcome back. Welcome back. This is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. Thank you so much for being here. This is my last show of 2016. And 
as I have on my Twitter handle, 2016 has no chill. I'm over it. I'm ready for the next thing. If you want to join in the conversation, give us a call at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. So, Donna, you know, this was a question that I, I really wanted you to talk about. You know, I don't think most people know that one-third of Muslims are black. And I don't think most black people know that one-third of Muslims are black. And when you think about the intersections of great movements um, in this country, they have always been intersectional. Um, um, so if we think about now this kind of anti-hate, um, anti-discrimination movement moving alongside the Black Lives Matter movement, there is some power there. Talk a little bit about kind of your work in those spaces. And this is certainly a commonly misunderstood. Hello? Yeah, we're here. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it sounded like we went out again. Um, this is uh, there's a common uh, there are a lot of common misperceptions about exactly who the Muslim community are when we t- community is when we talk about um, hate crimes when we talk about Islamophobia like we don't really think about very often about about black people being impacted by it and we think about like you know you know talking about drawing alliances between movements when in fact many of these communities are are one and the same um, and this goes back to um, I mean this is not a, a new thing right um, actually the foundations of Islam, the first Muslims in the U.S. were actually African, uh, African Muslim slaves, right, from West Africa, right? And so um, there's a very long um, tradition of African-American Islam going back to the foundations of this country. And this is also um, these issues of freedom struggles, right, um, mm-hmm. which is something that I look very closely um, at in my movement. Um, when we think about figures like Malcolm X, when we think about the influence that he had on uh, the emergence of the Black Panthers and Stokely Carmichael and the whole Black Power movement, um, there's always been um, a very close um, alliance between um, between racial freedom struggles, right, and and Muslim Muslim people, right, mm-hmm, involved mm-hmm. in those freedom struggles, right. And mm-hmm. So it shows up interestingly um, in this particular moment because we have a we have a moment where both anti-blackness and Islamophobia are are kind of you know on steroids, right, right in the public right. discourse. Um, and so the challenges faced by um, by those communities is not only um, being victims, right, of hate crimes and state-sponsored uh, brutality and profiling, right, by law enforcement, um, both as a religious subject and as a racial subject, right? You know, so I mean, so you you might experience you might experience, experience both, both at the same time. At the same time, yeah. Right? Let me let me bring Simran into this conversation. Simran into this conversation. Why do you do the work that you do? And I want you to get personal because I think often that people have this idea. Um, I don't think many people quite even are familiar with the Sikh religion and the distinction, but why do you do the work that you do? Yeah, I mean, I I appreciate you asking me to get personal because it it is a very personal reason why I I am in this world. Uh, I grew up in Texas as as a Sikh American, um, and you're right. Nobody, nobody really knew who I was, and, <laughs> and you can imagine what it's like growing up with a, a turban and brown skin in the middle of Texas. It, it wasn't easy. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of my personal experiences uh, were shaped by discrimination, especially after 9/11, um, and seeing how various communities, not just my own, um, and various close friends of mine who belong to various different backgrounds, um, experienced the same the same sorts of discrimination that manifested itself in different ways um, that really pushed me into this world um, 
I, I, I think it gives a certain power for me to be able to speak to um, racism and xenophobia as someone who has been targeted uh, in mm-hmm. discrimination since my childhood. Uh, when I go, when I when I stand in front of people and say um, that anti-Islam or anti-Black racism is unacceptable, it means something because right, right. people know that that I experience it myself. And so uh, that power of allyship, the intersectionality you're talking about, um, that is what I have found to be actually the, the most powerful tool in this fight. I would agree, Anisha. I'm going to ask you the same question. Uh, it's personal for me, too. I mean, growing up, uh, I never really questioned my faith or questioned, you know, the concept of America and, and the fact that I am an American until after 9-11 when suddenly I was going to my temple. It's called Gudwara for Sikh worship. And the, you know, uncles who have turbans were scared and talking about the incidents that they were experiencing of hate, um, the kind of hateful language that was being used against my community, the fact that we had to have police cars um, outside of our temple just to protect us, the fact that a lot of these uncles had to wear little uh, American flag pins just to show, no, I'm American too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. All of that kind of woke me up and made me uh, just just hurt, you know, and, and it, it influenced me and I started volunteering for sick organizations and, you know, here we are. And it's so sad to see that now we have an uptick of hate at the levels that we saw right after 9-11 once again, and this work is more important than ever. All right, Faith, I'm going to give you, the time goes by way too fast when it's good radio, so I'm going to give you the last 30 seconds. Where do we go from here? So that's a great question. Um, I think we need to do a number of things. I think we need to reach out to each other. We need to confront hate and bias in our own communities. We need to recognize each other as partners in this fight. Um, and we also could do with strengthening hate crime laws mm-hmm. in this country. Um, not every incident of bias is technically a hate crime, but many are. Mm-hmm. Um, and five states don't even have hate crime laws. Arkansas, Georgia, Indiana, South Carolina, and Wyoming. And I will end with Um, These crimes are not just crimes against one person. They're crimes against our communities and truly the fabric of our nation, these incidents. And um, pardon me, and it's so important to count every single one. That's right. Um, They're all important. Faith, Anisha, Simran, and Donna, you have been wonderful. The time goes by way too fast when it's good radio, but that's what you get here on the Leslie Marshall Show with Michelle Jawando. When we come back from the break, we are going to do a recap of 2016. Ah! And I hope you stay on to join us for that combo. We'll be right back after the break. Leslie Marshall, the simple truth in a complicated world. Give her a call now at 888-6LESLIE. Listening to the Leslie Marshall Show. Truth for all sides of the spectrum. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back. This is Michelle Jawando coming to you live for the last show of 2016. Can't believe where the year has gone. 
and I can't wait for this panel to move forward. So let me just get the ball rolling. If you have a question, you can follow us on Twitter at Leslie Marshall or at Michelle Jawando. Give us a call at 888-6-LESLIE. But I am back in studio with what I like to call my all-star team. Um, yes. These are the troublemakers, the ones, the movers and the shakers, the ones <laughs> changing the game in all of their spaces. None other than Christian Ramos at Media Matters for America. You can find him on Twitter. Twitter, K Ramos, R A M O S, 1841. Carmen Berkeley at AFL CIO. You can find her on Twitter at Carmen Spin, S P I N, Diego, D I E G O. And last but not least, Tiffany Cross, curator of the Beat DC. You can find her on Twitter at Tiff, T I F, Cross My Heart. 2016, I have on my Twitter, has no chill. No. And I'm over. I'm over. Between the daggone Russians, uh, between the heartbreak of Hillary Clinton's loss, uh, Supreme Court justice fight that lasted a year and we still didn't get the justice. Um, but we can agree this year had a lot in it. And so what for you? I'm going to start with you, Tiffany. Highs and lows, 2016. Go. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I will say my high is seeing one of the most diverse Congresses come mm. um, into session. We'll, we'll come into session next year. I'm very excited about that. Uh, we saw the first uh, Latina elected to the Senate. That's right. Catherine yes. Cortez Masto. Yeah. Um, From Nevada. We yeah. have three African-American senators for, I believe, the first time mm. ever with uh, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, and, and Tim, Tim Scott. Scott. That's right. Um, we have, I think, the first uh, Dominican-American mm-hmm. um, yep. in Congress. Mm-hmm. I could go through the list, but and it was a uh, first-time API member right. um, in the Congress. So I'm very excited about that. In direct contrast to that, (laughs) I will say, um, so the low for me wasn't actually election day. It was the day after election day, Mm -hmm. and it has gotten progressively lower ever Mm -hmm. since. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's right. That's right. (laughs) Everybody kept saying the day after was was hard, but you'll accept it. I don't know what to say now. (laughs) I mean, actually, there's still a lot you can say. You can pick any day between and talk about what is awful. Now it's cold outside. Christian, highs and lows. So, my highs would have to be Darren Farenhold, David Farenhold's Reporting from the Washington Post. That, that was guy really good. had some really that great stories on a lot of the crazy ways that Trump's was using uh, his philanthropic giving and his foundations, which mm-hmm. are staggering to this day. Uh, my other high is going to be Van the Man Jones. Yeah. That guy brought a lot totally. of truth. That was election night. I snapped. Yeah. I don't know if anybody can do that. You made me that excited. And then since my, my other low was just used, I'm going to have to say the mainstream media spent a lot, a lot of time on stories that turned out to be much ado about nothing. Low. But somehow, Low. somehow <laughs> managed to miss uh, Russia hacking, yeah. Trump <laughs> University, yeah. Trump business conflict of interest, yes. and then Trump's taxes. Yeah. yeah. How about that? And so we had a, a lot of much ado about nothing, stuff That's that turned right. out to actually not be yeah. bad yeah. in any way, and then a lot of... Really bad things that we yeah. should have known about before. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty much undercover. But people don't care about facts anymore. So even right. if We're you know, it doesn't matter. Fact-free <laughs> yeah, we don't do facts. Carmen, yes, fact-free society. Highs <clears throat> and lows. 
Okay, so anything that Michelle Obama did in 2016, I'm proud. <laughs> um, outfits, speech from the DNC, even oh, just okay. how she speech. carried herself um, mm-hmm. when she was speaking for Secretary Clinton. I just yeah. felt like she is a black woman. She's everything. Um, mm-hmm. Even her hair. You know, I was yeah. like trying to do the part down the middle too. Like, <laughs> I was like, okay, whatever, Michelle Obama. What about her bangs? Oh, I love the bangs. But why do you have bangs right now? Yeah, for Michelle Obama. For those who are in studio. like this summer was tough from um, the shooting um, at the at the Pulse nightclub, yeah. um, out in Sterling, Philando Castile happening days apart. I mean, I couldn't even catch my breath mm-hmm. after um, what happened in Minneapolis with Philando Castile. And he was mm. actually a union member, part of the Teamsters, which mm. is, you know, in our labor family. So for me, I, I really don't want to go into 2017 talking about mass shootings and talking about police brutality. But unfortunately, probably with how our uh, new DOJ is going to be throwing down. Oh, well, we'll definitely be dealing with that kind go. of stuff. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. All right. So as I was thinking about 2016, um, I picked up, stamped the history of racist ideas in America, the origin of the history of racist ideas in America, and it moved me. And wow. I read that, and I read Americana. Wow. That's like yeah. a heavy, okay? And Between the World and Me. Are you depressed? Oh, wow. <laughs> I used to read Harry Potter book. I told, oh, I did, read, I did read Harry Potter okay, good. Okay, in good. like one day, because okay, I love Harry Potter. <laughs> but, so those were the three books that like this year kind of got me, and, I, and I'm just wondering kind of what, what did you guys have on the side or was it music for you because I think I want to make sure our listeners also have some like sunshine and highlight and good things and I think we often because we are moving into a fact free society Mm -hmm. the power of music to move and motivate the books which actually still have to be research and fact checked like there's a power still there so give me Tiff you go first okay so for books I am horribly embarrassed that I can't remember the writer's name but the book Homegoing Mm -hmm. uh, was great for me. It's on the New York Times bestsellers list, I believe, but it, it really tracked um, the slave trade. Um, it's a work of fiction, but it slack, uh, tracked the slave trade from the origins of Ghana all the way to present day, and it follows one family and wow. tells their story. It was amazing. Um, for music, I will have to say, I still have a seat at the table. Oh, yes. I listen to yes. it on repeat. I yes. don't skip. I mean, I think Solange took everything I felt and dipped <laughs> and it, it in blackness and wrapped it around me, and yeah. uh, she just she spoke to me from, from mad um, to black girl magic. Mm. Um, it really moved me uh, politically and personally and just because I'm a B stan I can't leave out lemonade mm. um, <laughs> I, I you know I feel like those girls are like uh, come on up and have a seat at the table and have some of this lemonade and I, uh, I'm i still doing both I love there both you go. Christian so I am uh, plugging away on Rick Perlstein's trilogy on mm. the, the conservative movement and where wow. it came from I made it through uh, the Barry Goldwater part the the storm and then Nixon land and now I'm on uh, the invisible bridge which is all about Reagan and mm. if you guys ever want to see where Donald Trump got his greatest hits and a lot of the stuff that he's doing right now highly recommend reading this, this Reagan. book mm. uh, it's actually very interesting also and, an entertainer yeah also an entertainer no that's what <laughs> yeah, I'm saying there's a, yeah, there's a yeah. definite there's a uh, definitely playbook that they're playing off of and then in terms of music uh, Anderson Pock's mm. uh, new album I guess it's not new it came out during the summer but that I kind of discovered late in the late in the game and it's really giving me life okay. a lot of sort of very MJ uh, MJ-esque beats but mm. you know very so- sunny and pop and then the other one is obviously I can't go without saying 
you know, Chance the Rapper. Yeah. All Night is like the best song ever. Yeah. It's only two minutes long, so I'm really it's enjoying great. all of that. Okay, so the day after the election, I was like, you know what? I'm done with politics. So I went to the little dollar bookstore and I picked up Zane, Total Eclipse of the Heart. Oh uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, that's a, a romance novel. Um, and it's are based in D.C., novels? Maryland. It's it's romance, okay? There's another um, so I got my entire life. Um, my, my husband was like, "Yeah, baby, keep keep reading that." Um, so I went to my top, I went to my top 2016 songs on Spotify because I couldn't remember what I was listening to. A lot of Kirk Franklin. He came out with an album this year because right. obviously I needed to smile right. Um, right. and want to be happy. Also, um, Rihanna, um, "Be Better Have My Money," um, <laughs> "Needed Me." Uh, so, and you know, I know a lot of people on the internet are hating on Drake, but I'm all about the emotion. I, so I, 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 I love Drake. I'm cool. Okay, so I'm gonna hit you guys with like the soundtrack that I have played on repeat for the last uh, two weeks. Moana from Disney. Now, <laughs> let me just tell you that soundtrack in that movie is amazing. So for all my Leslie Marshall listeners, please, <laughs> I am repping for Disney. But the soundtrack, there's no love interest. This is about empowerment and a connection to your ancestors. Mm-hmm. And like knowing that in spite of the challenges, there is a way forward. And then Lin-Manuel Miranda is just oh, like yeah. a genius. Like yeah. there's like a hot hip hop reggae beat and there's a crab that sings okay. it. So that, that's all I got to say. So listen, my Leslie Marshall listeners, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, I want to know the way forward in 2017. You're in studio with Christian Tiff and Carmen and none other me, Michelle Jawando, and we'll be right back after the break. Leslie Marshall, the simple truth in a complicated world. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall. And we'll be sure to share your tweets. Welcome back. This is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. For the last show of the year, again, I want to thank all my regular callers and listeners and all of the team that makes the show magic what it is. Um, We are in studio with, um, I said, my all-stars, Christian Ramos, from Media Matters, Carmen Berkeley, AFL-CIO, and Tiffany Cross, curator of the Beat DC. Okay, so 2016, we're all over it. You know, we found some, <laughs> we found some joy in some books and maybe some dirty books and some Sorry. good, <laughs> good Sorry. music soundtracks. Um, but what does 2017 look like for us? I mean, I, you know, we're we're definitely going to have the existential threat of. Um, a Donald Trump presidency and what it means for breaking down the standards and norms that we know and we understand and what that means for our democracy. But what are you kind of paying attention to to following? Um, what are you going to be covering in the beat all next year? Tiffany. 
So um, definitely Congress. Like I mm-hmm. said, I'm, I'm really excited about the diversity of this Congress. We'll be paying attention to staff diversity, mm-hmm. which, as you know, has been a really big topic lately. So it's That's not right. enough that we have elected officials, but their staff needs to reflect That's right. um, the way the country looks as well. And that's on both sides of the divide. And right now, honestly, the Republicans, the are, Republicans winning. are winning. Paul Ryan just named uh, a black chief First of staff African yesterday. American Isn't that amazing? Paul Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Paul, Paul Ryan, Ryan yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some movement on the other side of the divide as well. Um, so folks can sign up to get the beats mm-hmm. at thebeatdc.com. Uh, we'll have some interesting things in there tomorrow about staff diversity. But I, I would say um, not just what we're focusing on, but what I would encourage uh, listeners and just the general population when I'm out talking to people and doing different events and I hear a lot of people talk about how something I'm curious about, how do you um, consume your news? And a mm-hmm. lot of people um, say from CNN or MSNBC or Fox News, which um, to your point, Christian, is mortifying to me uh, <laughs> because they are not giving you substance. They give you the headline without the content uh, and they don't give you news. They discuss the news. Mm-hmm. So I hope that not just in addition will people sign up for the beat, um, DC's hottest and newest digital right. tip sheet. Thank you very much. Amen. Thank you. When you take a break from Zane, check us out. Bring it all the way back. But I hope that people will be, um, I mean, we've seen the effect that, that the media has had on our democracy, so I hope people will be a little more intellectually curious in 2017. Mm, Christian, that sounds like a Yeah, that's perfect. an alley <laughs> Slam it down. Tell my here. man from Media Matters. So I was. This is literally written down in my notes here. So we didn't plan this, but uh, fake news yeah. I think is the thing that yeah. people really need to start getting wise to. And I want to take you through the food chain of this because it is kind of unbelievable. But something goes up on Reddit, mm-hmm. something crazy like Hillary Clinton is running a sex ring at a Comet Pizza. Then it makes its way on one of these fake news websites which, uh, you know, are populated by kids from uh, other countries. Right. Maldonia. You know, and, yeah. <laughs> and then it makes its way to Facebook and then Google advertisements. Right. And yeah. then all of a sudden you have some guy walk into a pizzeria with a loaded on gun Avenue. and trying to, you know, find, investigate something right. that never actually happened. So there are real-world consequences for it. Mm. It is something that... Uh, a lot of people need to to sort of understand. And the other side of it that's sort of crazy is conservatives are now using the term fake news to describe the New York Times Mm -hmm. or CNN. Mm -hmm. So like the Russian Mm -hmm. hacking scandal, they're up there saying, well, this is fake news. Wow. I haven't even seen that connection yet. It's it's a problem in that it's out there. And then the, uh, the other thing that I think people really need to wrap their heads around is Breitbart News is going to have an incredible influence on the White House. That's right. Because Steve And for our listeners who don't know what Breitbart is. Oh, it's a a very... It used to be a very fringy Mm -hmm. right-wing place that has Mm -hmm. a lot of nasty... Uh, horrible things mm-hmm. on it. Anti-Semitic. Anti-Semitic. White supremacist. Yeah, I love that that word is back. We can just <laughs> yeah. use it now freely. It never left for some of us. <laughs> I know. Right? I know. <laughs> well, the guy who used to be the uh, executive chairman of that is now the president's chief strategist. That's right. So this yeah, is a, a real thing know. that yeah. people need to confront uh, in how they consume their news and how they are, are checking that stuff and out. And share responsibly. I can I quickly just add to your point? Um, the New York Times just named their um, team who will be covering the White House. Uh, there are six reporters, and can you all guess what they all have in common? 
not a single person of color is on How that is that team. Possible? How is that possible? The gray mm-hmm. lady is 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 all white. So uh, <laughs> we'll be talking about that. Oh, I love that. Tweet, tweet that. Somebody tweet that. All right, Carmen. Well, I, oh, two things that at least I'm focusing on. Um, one is health care, and mm. I don't even just mean protecting ACA. I mean, you know, uh, the report. But, so folks know, 30 million people potentially have their health care on the line. Yeah. Just, just yeah. for fact's I mean, sake. For fact's sake, I mean, I think it's Medicaid, it's Medicare. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we saw that the the African American teen pregnancy rates are as low as humanly possible right now. I mean, that happens because there is an investment in health care all around. There's an investment in sexual um, health in the states. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, you know, when Republicans come in office, they always come after our health care. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that, you know, particularly communities of color really need to come out strongly on, even if they don't fully understand. They need to protect, you know, my health care as a 31-year-old and my mm-hmm. grandma's health care who's 92. That's right. Um, I mean, I Go think the grandma. Se- <laughs> my grandma is the boss. I cannot wait to hear her. For what <laughs> yes. I, yes. Um, I think the second thing is, you know, the jobs numbers right now, I mean, unemployment is also, um, you know, at, at a low. Yeah. And, you know, we're looking at 4% numbers. We know for communities of color, it's probably a little bit higher. But, you know, Trump, he promised that he was going to put people back to work. And that's, that's the right. reason why people voted for him. So I really hope he makes good on that promise because if he doesn't, he's putting a lot of our lives in danger and specifically communities of color. He's going to put our lives in danger if we start losing jobs. And we already saw that the uh, the guy who's up for, um, you know, labor secretary mm-hmm. has already said he doesn't yeah. believe in minimum wage, right. doesn't believe That's in right. five for 15. <laughs> right. So That's it's right. like even if now you're giving people jobs, but you're not giving he them living wage, they hard need. labor. Right. But he right. Right. Child labor. That's a good right. segue because <laughs> the other thing that I think is important coming up in 2017 is this infrastructure fight. Right. Yeah. And I think on one hand, you know, we, we, we can't have corporate welfare, right? We can't just be giving tax breaks to everybody mm-hmm. and hoping mm-hmm. they do something mm-hmm. good with it. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, what I'm actually very curious to see is are, are progressives going to step up with their own plans on, on how to right, invest right. in our community? Right. Yeah. And how are we going to yeah. come back and say this is what we're for as yeah. opposed to just being against everything? And ensure right. that we get some of those jobs. Those contracts, we've got to make sure that women and people of color are able to obtain those jobs. That's and and right, that's right. got to be a part of the negotiation. That's right. That's right. So today our C4 launched the Resist campaign. So for folks who are interested, you can go to the Center for American Progress Action website and we will be a part of the faithful resistance for the next four years because this is in some ways is just about accountability and calling people out for who they are all right with our last five minutes of the show (laughs) everybody you have one minute to share something nice and squishy and warm that you say to your family or to your friends because our leslie marshall listeners are our family and friends so i'll go in reverse carmen you kick us off what do I say that's squishy to my family and friends? Um, I'll tell you this. In this holiday season, my um, my husband, he's a singer. And so mm. every single day for the next, I guess now it's 10 days, he's <laughs> going to be singing on Instagram Christmas carols just to make it. people yeah. smile. And I, I think it. that over the next couple of days, we need to like let go of politics and figure out how we're going to make people happy, use music, art, and culture to make people smile. All right, okay. Tiff, I'm going to switch it up. Okay. Tiff, 30 seconds. Um, I'll say very quickly, uh, I recently, every year, some girlfriends and I get together 
together. It's about 16 of us. Uh, we've been friends since 2000, and um, we call ourselves the Grits Girls Race in the South. Shout out to all the Southern ladies. <laughs> and um, we celebrated um, 16 years of friendship, and so we literally mm. called it our Sweet 16. Mm. And it was just a really nice time. Um, you know, people are married, they have kids, and they have their own families, but I think something magical happens That's when beautiful. women come together, and mm. it's just us in our space to celebrate each other and I uplift each other and yes. be warm and sisterly. So I just want to give a shout out to all the sister friends out yeah. there um, and embrace each other because um, it's, you know, not everybody has that um, circle and you That's really right. do get uplifted uh, in the company of other women. Christian, close so us out. So my family, uh, in particular my wife, who always puts up with me when I call and I'm like, whoa, I don't know what just happened here. And I'm kind of like, this is not a good look, what just happened. And for being my rock and always telling me to pick up my underwear and yeah. dishes, because you know what? People need that in their lives. They need when that. everything they is going that. to, to heck and high water, right. sometimes you, you got to do the dishes, sometimes you, you got to walk the dog, That's sometimes right. you got to tell your wife you love her, and That's she's right. beautiful. Oh, and yeah, you just man. leave it at that. that you better make sure she hears this <laughs> yeah. one. Well, she does. <laughs> she does hear it every day. Yeah. That's what I tell her when get home. <laughs> and I'm going to say a special thank you to my husband, oh. my amazing, my husband is fine, y'all, but he's <laughs> also my support system in rock, my amazing kids, <laughs> the amazing Leslie Marshall team, and our listeners. I wish you the best to the end of 2016, but more and the best is yet to come in 2017. This is Michelle Jawando. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next year.